Hello and welcome. This is Learner Journeys with Bastian Kunz. A podcast about the craft and art of facilitating learning. Enjoy the show. Today on Learner Journeys is my friend Eileen. I met her for the first time in 2016 and since then we've been a lot in contact with each other. We've been serving on the board of an organization together. She was the president, I was just a normal member of the board, but we work very closely with each other. We developed together a code of ethical behavior that would be adopted then within the organization and I've come to really appreciate her as a smart and insightful and very patient but also very funny person and i'm very glad that she agreed to be on learner journeys because she works as a coach so she's not necessarily always a trainer or a facilitator but she works one-on-one with people helping them getting to where they want to get to and she also just became a full-time student again picking up the books again and studying conflict resolution in Northern Ireland, which I think is just amazing. So here we go with Eileen. My name is Eileen Britsuk. Who am I? I'll give you the first version, which I call so like my CV LinkedIn version. And this is what I say to people. I say I'm an executive coach. I'm a finance professional, um, interculturalist. I'm now a student studying conflict resolution. But I also feel that it's uh, relevant and important for me. I say I'm Canadian of Chinese ancestry. I'm a mother. But deep down, I feel like I'm simply a human. If, if I could say that to people, I think I would. And, and that's how I feel. And years ago, when I was deciding what to study, I was in high school, I decided I wanted to become a high school teacher. And that was because I wanted to work with young people to help them discover what it was that they loved in life to help them learn what they wanted to learn. So that was what drew me to the education field. And I went ahead, I enrolled, and I studied that for one year. But at that time uh, where I lived, the government had changed the educational budget and they were closing schools, they were firing teachers, and I got scared. And what happened was I realized later that it was uh, my family values of, you know, being of Chinese ancestry were kicking in and they were saying, um, you know, you need to have job security, you need financial security, you need to take care of the family, etc. So at that time, I changed my studies from education to accounting and finance. And I went along that trajectory for many years and it's given me a lot. I learned a lot. I met many people. It's given me opportunity to travel. But there came a point in my life where it wasn't making my heart sink. And I took the opportunity at that moment in my life. I was just coming out of seven years of being a stay-at-home mom. And I changed. I moved into the people, uh, working with people in the people um, development field. First as a recruitment consultant. And later, I retrained as a coach. And essentially, that's where I've been since that time, which is about 12 years now. And why I say it's a circle is that when I wanted to become a teacher, I wanted to work with people, to work with their potentials, their potential, their future. 
And when I came back to be a coach, I was not teaching people, but I still had that same drive to work with people to help them be at their best. In the in these 12 years of, of being a coach, what have you learned about learning? Like, what have you learned about growth? What helps people be able to learn? And what kind of what hinders them to, to grow? What helps them to learn is very important whether they want to learn, whether they have taken the step or they have shifted their mindset that there's something else out there that they want to find out, to explore, to try out. So what's really important is that the person has the mindset ready to see something new. And if someone is unsure about that, how do you help someone come into that mindset? I'm lucky in that the people that I usually work with, um, they come to me because they do want something different. They don't always know what it is, but there's some kind of internal drive saying they want um, a promotion. They want better results. They want to have better relationship with their team or they want the team to have better relationship amongst themselves. Um, just to give you a bit of context, most of the people I work with are in a, the corporate setting. So I am lucky in that they do come uh, wanting to learn. But when I think about the handful that I have that are skeptical, uh, what changes their mind is, I think, the, the way that I hold the coaching sessions, how I create that initial contact, create that initial rapport, and how I conduct the sessions when we do spend time together. So how do you do that? What is it that you do? <laughs> what is it that I do? <laughs> What's really important, you know, and you'll find that in all articles and books, you know, is creating trust, creating a safe space. And that's all well and lovely. But I think the way I do it is deep listening. I'm listening to the person, not only what is said, but also what's not said. I'm also listening for what's happening outside of the person. Everyone is in some kind of a system, some kind of a constellation. So I'm listening, not just to the person in front of me, but also what's going out beyond. And as a coach, I reflect that back once I do, do perceive it. Um, and it's also being open. Um, there are moments in my coaching sessions where I can be prescriptive or I can offer suggestions. Often it is for both of us to do that. I think from the beginning, what's important is that I'm listening, but I'm also making sure that the client knows that uh, it's their responsibility to also contribute to the conversation, to mm -hmm. ask me things, to check things with me, to let me know whether I'm doing the right things or not. Yeah. What, What I found so interesting or what I find so interesting about the coaching relationship is that it's such a, such an intimate and, and direct and unescapable relationship, right? When you are in the classroom or when you're in the training room, you have 15 to 20 people there, maybe. And so it's possible for you as a trainer to disconnect from a few of them who you don't have a, 
you know, a good energy with, but it's also possible for them to kind of say, okay, this is not for me. Uh, I'm going to, you know, mentally check out a little bit, but in a coaching relationship, you can't get away from that. And uh, so how do you create this trusting environment with someone when you meet them for the first time, for example, when you're trying to establish this relationship to other, some strategies or some steps or some, some approaches that you have that you find particularly work particularly well for you? Yeah, I think two things. One is always from the very beginning of uh, any kind of a coaching relationship. I emphasize that the time together is confidential. Meaning I never mm. say or write to anyone that this person says this or that. That is fundamental. Um, the second thing is I do more listening than I do talking right from the beginning. I, and as a coach, I don't talk about myself and really introduce myself. By the time they, they have come to me, they, they've already seen my CV or they've seen some kind of a profile. So they know who I am on paper. Hmm. So I get right into the business of coaching, which means to find out about the client, what's important for the client and what we need to do in the coaching together to make their time worthwhile. So I'm not talking about me in, in the coaching. I talk about me only when they ask. What I've found is that this learning needs two things. It needs a safe space that you already mentioned, but it also needs the challenge, right? If you just stay within the same space and just make it cuddly and nice and warm and everybody is comfortable, then someone might not go to the place where they don't necessarily want to go, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but that's where they kind of, they need to go there. But that's where it's hard because that's where incompetence lives and that's where, uh, you know, not knowing something lives. So it's not a nice place to be. And how do you get people to take that step into the unknown, into the uncomfortable space? Do you have some kind of thoughts about that or just, you know, how does it feel when you do that? How do you do that? Um, I think there's two ways that I can answer that. The first one is the very intangible one which means um, as a coach, when I come in to work with a person, I'm clear on my intent. I know why I'm there. And I believe it comes through in my voice, uh, the speed at which I speak, the kinds of questions. They know that I'm there for the purpose of serving the coaching and to help them. So they're very clear, because they're clear in that, I think they, it helps create that safe space, which we talked about a moment ago. So that's the first part is they know my intention and that I'm there to partner with them in the coaching. The second part, um, it's about stepping, for me to step in with a request or a challenge, I do challenge, but because the intent has already been established, it comes through the way I ask the question, it comes through the tone in my voice. Um, there's space for them to push back. So I have no qualms about requesting, challenging, setting up accountability to do things. And because it is coaching, it really is two people working together. They have space to push back and to redesign what it is that really is challenging. 
Could you tell me the story of one transformative learning experience of one of your clients? And you can change the names or something, but just so that I have kind of a, we've spoken abstractly about all, all of this now. Can you make it tangible just to, you know, where someone was, where they needed to go and what it was that you did with them to, to get from A to B? Sure. Um, there's a client that I'm actually still working with at the moment. We're going to probably wrap up our work together very soon. But we started almost two years ago. Um, senior leader in a big, big, big international corporate. Um, I was called in because he had received feedback in order to help him from get promoted to move into the next job. So when I arrived, you know, he was already told he needed to work on his communication style and also how to build his network, which is important when you're in a corporate to, to work with people and to know who you're working with. So we started with that goal. And what we did is we wrote it down. We clarified it. We wrote it down, which I do with all my clients. And that's really important step. And we continued as uh, the coaching process involving other people. We had three-way sessions with his manager to get more feedback and to clarify what he needed to work on. And great, we were ready to start. Throughout the sessions, um, we worked not only on those specific things about his communication style and about building his stakeholder network, but we really got down to the bare bones of who he is when he shows up. Whether he's in uh, doing a presentation, doing a town hall meeting, um, reaching out to the organization to network, who is he? You know, how is he showing up? How do people perceive him? And when you start asking those questions and digging down, you, I helped him to realize what it is that he's made of, meaning. We went back to other experiences in the past, which led him to be this way that he is now. Uh, we talked about what he hopes for, what his dreams are, what drives him to be this way. We talked about who he wants to be, his impact on the world. So although we started off talking about communication style, we really ended up exploring all of who he is, uh, including his family, what his family means for him, his personal physical health, How's that impacting him in his work? So we really touched him as a whole person. Um, and why I found this, this uh, program, working with him, so satisfying was that we started off talking about communication style. But for him, I think the biggest gain was he really discovered what was most important for him in his life. And I heard a shift in him. He told me there was a shift in him in how he perceived work, how he perceived life, how he perceived his family, etc. Um, he's still working, still advancing, but that shift for me was really very satisfying. And I would like to wrap it up in this way. What started off as a project to work with a high potential, I ended up working with someone to become his higher self. What do you mean with higher self? What I mean by higher self is, let's go back to the way I introduced myself at the beginning. Uh, I said I was an executive coach, a finance professional, a student, um, interculturalist. Those are many identities, many things I can do 
it talks about my knowledge, my skills. But a higher self, I define is being that person who we were meant to be on this earth in the short time that we are here. And it includes all those things I mentioned before, but there's much more which is, I think, connected to what drives me, what really lives in my heart. And also there's more to come. Mm. You know, uh, I see myself as being maybe two-thirds of the way down this journey on this planet Earth. I've still got a third left. So when I think about my higher self, I'm thinking about the rest. You know, who else am I going to become in the rest of my journey here? That's beautiful. What do you think can people who help others learn in different contexts, like in as school teachers or as trainers or facilitators or mentors or professors or whatever, uh, what can they learn from the coaching process that is transferable? Like that is not an exclusive to that process, but that can be adapted to or transferred to other contexts. I think if, if I could name one tiny little thing, it's acknowledgement. And what I mean by that is when people are simply acknowledged and accepted, you, they're listened to, they are heard, you know, even a short brief conversation with a stranger on a street to really acknowledge and accept this person. That it's a basic human need to be acknowledged. And when they feel that, They never forget. It stays there and they know it lives in there. And they can use that energy to share it further, but they can use that energy to sort of like wake up other things. Wake up, you know, what I want to do, how do I want to be, what's wrong, what's right. So it's that little tiny little nugget called acknowledgement, which I think is really a, the start to a learning journey. You need to acknowledge what's here, what's now in order to create some fertile ground for what could be. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's such a, such a generous act to acknowledge someone, right. To, to say, I see you and, uh, and the humanity within you, I love, right. There may be parts of you I don't like, but the humanity in you, I love and, uh, and let's go. You know, like then that creates, I think, also the safety and the safe space. It does. It gives the other person some, like, some, a breath under their wings. You know, I've been acknowledged. I'm okay. Um, we're all here together. I'm thinking now, let's say a, a classroom. Uh, it's often, I think, people do a presencing exercise in the beginning. You know, who are you? What do you want? How are you feeling? right here, right now. It's getting people present hmm. to acknowledge and accept where they are so that they can move forward. Yeah. During your coaching process, are there some exercises that you feel are particularly effective that others could steal from you or that you have found through your practice and they may be not your own, but you know, publicly known, but you find them particularly useful that, uh, that you could recommend um embodiment really because uh, in our western 
society. Um, we're taught to sit down in school. We talk to speak. We talk to look at things. You know, we're we're really taught how to use everything from the neck up, the head, the thing. So we kind of lose a sense of what our body's telling us. And sometimes our body knows and reacts before the brain can think what's really going on. So what I mean by embodiment is when I'm coaching, and I do a lot of my coaching virtually, by telephone or Skype. So even if uh, it's a virtual uh, kind of work, you can still do exercises that practice embodiment. For example, sometimes when there's something that nudges me, I will say, okay, client, please stand up. And I will stand up. So my client on the other end is standing up, I'm standing up, and I'm asking, depending on the context, but I'm saying, okay, you know, what are you noticing as you stand up? How are you feeling? How is that different when you were sitting? How is that different from when you were in that meeting? So that's just one simple exercise, is uh, take a moment and teach the client to understand their body more and to use their body to create learning for themselves. Use their body to create new ways of being for themselves. A great exercise, if I could, is creativity. I was given this years ago. And it's, you can, another one is I asked my client and I did this once. I said, okay, crouch down. Make yourself as small as possible. And then I ask them, what do you feel? What do you notice? And they say, it's uncomfortable, can't breathe, can't think. Okay. Now stand up and take up as much space as you can. Lift your arms up. You know, make your legs wide. How does that feel? And they say, it's great. I feel alive. I feel creative. Mm. Okay, so what did you learn? So that's a simple embodiment exercise to help a client shift from being tight and maybe constrained to being alive and having potential. Hmm. And then how do you translate that feeling into an insight or a transferable insight to the to the work as we're doing this exercise the brain is learning but as we know you know you don't become an Art arnold schwarzenegger overnight you need to go to the gym and to practice and to practice so um i work with the client to find ways to lock in this sensation this memory of being alive and creative so it's about actually going back to practice that or to find a structure, meaning is there a symbol or a picture that reminds you of this sensation, this belief in yourself? And if they say, yes, you know, sunshine, then I will ask them, find a picture of sunshine and make it available. Put it, you know, on your, on your phone, on your laptop, put a little symbol on your desk. So we find ways to get them to remind and to practice until it becomes really natural. Is there, over the years, something else that you've learned about learning that you think could be a valuable insight to others as well, about the act of learning? I think it's in being intentional, meaning if someone wants to learn, uh, it's good to sit down and think, you know, why? Why do I want to learn this? What is this going to give me? And to be really intentional about it. Because when you set that intention, 
it kind of preps the rest of your body to be open to explore and accept things. So it's about setting intentions. What might happen might be something different, but at least when you set the intentions, it's more likely you are going to absorb something or give something. When I, as a coach, for me, when I'm setting intentions, it's about me giving something, creating something, creating a safe space. For the client about learning, it's about setting their intentions for learning. So it's about clearing the mind and creating mindsets that allow the person to learn. Wow, beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Is there you know something that you would like to promote like your your website or something else or you know your f favorite music artist or whatever <laughs> like is there something where the people who listen to this now where you would want them to to go or what would you would want them to check out? Ah, you mean about me because you said a website whatever. Okay. If you want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're welcome to come and check out my website at a future date. I do have one available. Um, and I'm very proud of it because it's kind of stood the test of time for about 10 years. But it's uh, going to be revamped some point in the future. Um, you know, come and visit me on LinkedIn and send me a message. I would love to talk to people about um, creating connections like we are now, Bastian, about learning. Um, I'm really interested in peace building now and peace building from the ground up. We're talking about, I've been doing peace building by having one-on-one -on -one conversations. I would love to talk about peace building from a wider community and group perspective. So here we go. You know what to do. If you want to talk with Eileen about peace building or about learning, she is very much looking forward to hearing from you. And I, of course, always as well. You can always contact me through all the different ways and forms. I'm quite accessible on the internet. And we are again at the end of one more episode of Learner Journeys. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope that it gave you something. And thank you again very much for having allowed us into your life, into your ear, into your mind for a moment this week. And thanks. See you next time on Learner Journeys. Bye.